Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to the Agile World Podcast, where we discuss customer experience, employee experience, and transformation in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, a blueprint for creating an experience-led organization, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to focus on customer experience and what that means within an organization. While it's often said that everyone in a company has a role in customer experience, my guest today would say that while that's true, if you don't have people whose role it is to focus on CX specifically, your organization can't truly be successful at it. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Augie Ray, VP of Customer Experience at Gartner. First, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Gartner? Sure. Uh, it's wonderful to be on with you today. Thanks. So uh, I've been at Gartner for about four years. We are a research and advisory firm, and I focus on helping clients to understand what CX is and how to do it right. Uh, prior to that, I was at American Express, where I was the director of customer experience action. And I've been lucky enough to work at a couple of firms that have differentiated themselves based on customer experience, such as USAA. So uh, I bring a lot of background in voice of customer and CX strategy uh, and in CX execution to this role where we publish research and help our clients to hopefully do a better job with their CX programs. So let's start by um, revisiting what I mentioned in the opener about customer experience. Um, I'd love to hear your definition of what is great customer experience. So the thing that I think is important to understand, we, we like to talk to our clients about that there are sort of two sides to the, to the customer experience coin. So let's start with some practical definitions. Um, anything that the customer experiences will have an influence on their opinions and attitudes and, of course, ultimately their behaviors toward the brand. And so we can say that virtually every touch point, every interaction, whether it's with an employee or a vendor, your product or your service, all of that contributes to what the customer experiences. And so CX is really what the customer owns. What's important, though, is we want to frame what we talk about with our clients around customer experience management. That's our side of the coin. And what's important about that is that we want to be focused not on just every experience or any circumstance, because if you define CX as everything the company does, then effectively it becomes nothing, right? And so what yeah. we do is we have a definition for at Gartner for, for customer experience management, and that is to know and understand and react to customer interactions in order to meet and exceed expectations. And in so doing, and this is sort of the important part of the definition, improve customer satisfaction, loyalty, and advocacy. That's what makes this so customer focused. Lots of the organization is, is oriented to what do we do to get people to know us better? What do we get people to do to buy more? How do we get more conversions? How do we lower costs? You, you need all that, right? I'm certainly not critical of right. all the things that businesses need to do. But what makes CX different, what, what gives it the guardrails, is its focus on satisfaction, 
loyalty, and advocacy. Um, so when we say what's great customer experience, it is a program that helps the organization become more customer-centric and that understands, as we're undoubtedly going to talk about here momentarily, um, and understands that a more satisfied customer delivers more loyalty and more advocacy. They buy more, they buy more frequently, they have greater organic growth, they have a lower cost to serve, and they tell others. They lift your word of mouth, your reputation, give you more referral value. Um, and so that's what we really talk about when we talk about customer experience and customer experience management. So what would you say to someone who says that uh, you know customer experience is everyone's job and tries to decentralize responsibility for it? Uh, you know, Kind of to your point of if if customer experience is defined by every single touch point, I, I can see how that would be decentralizing would be a goal within an organization, right? Well, you want everyone to feel ownership of customer experience. You, you know, you can't say you're a customer centric organization unless, of course, employees from leaders on down to the front line are, in fact, customer centric. Right. Um, and so you want to encourage that sense of ownership. But somebody's got to facilitate it. Somebody's got to be at the center. And because there are things that you cannot just let every employee do on their own. You don't want every employee defining what CX is. You don't want every employee to imagine what the customer wants, right? One of the things yeah. I'll say is uh, being customer centric isn't a creative writing course. It's not asking everyone to go back to their desk and imagine what the customer wants and have you know, each person in each cubicle imagine something different. So you need something at the center. You need something at the center that helps to gather customer information through things like voice of customer programs and customer research. You want somebody at the center who brings people together from across the organization to understand customer journeys. So there is a balance between encouraging employees to feel like they own the customer experience, and that ultimately is what you want them to feel like, but to be informed and to be organized around it so that everyone is working together rather than separately. Yeah. So with that balance, then, uh, how do you work with organizations so that everyone does understand that importance, even if their their roles may be different in, with, in regards to CX? So there is a number of things in that question. I mean, we oftentimes when somebody says, what do we need to do? You, you imagine beginning to talk about the execution aspects of this, right? How do I get in front of employees and, and what's the right. right thing to tell them, et cetera. But I like to move it back a, a, a bit. And this is going to go back to what we just hinted about moments ago, which is one of the challenges that CX leaders have today and that CX has in the organization is that it can feel like it is a sense of altruism. You'll hear people say things that drive me a little crazy, like CX is a mindset. I'm like, no, it's not a mindset. It's a discipline, right? This is a discipline. Uh, there are best practices. There are things you want to get right. Now, you don't want to be – here's the challenge. There's an interesting challenge here, which is everyone already agrees that customer experience is important. Like if a leader gets up and says, we are going to be more customer centric and we are going to focus on customer experience, nobody will ever stand up and say, that's a terrible idea, right? right. I mean, we all right. want that. We get it. The problem happens, though, is that when you want to start taking employee time for training, when you want investments to invest in these you know, cross-functional journeys or the, or the VOC programs, um, or 
late in the program when you want to start challenging the status quo because you know what customers want and you've done a good job of evaluating what we need to change and people start saying, I don't want to make that change, right? How do you know what you should invest in this? How do you know what CX is worth? And so one of the first things that we will talk to our clients about, and this is actually part of our 2019 study as well, is have you demonstrated that customer satisfaction matters to the bottom line. In other words, if you're going to walk around the company and say, we need to improve customer satisfaction or we want to lift our NPS score, have you demonstrated that that matters, right? And so what we'll talk to our clients about is bringing data together. Take the customer-level data about their satisfaction, whether it's CSAT or NPS or customer effort score or likelihood to purchase, whatever these customer sourced certs of measures are, and bring it together with actual transactional data. And can you demonstrate that people who are more satisfied stay longer, buy more, buy with greater frequency, have a higher average order value? Do they have a lower cost to retain or resell? Do they avail themselves of your referral program? Are they more engaged? There are all these different ways that we can begin to turn that customer-centric measure into a meaningful business measure. And so if you want to walk into somebody's desk or you want to talk to frontline employees and tell them that you want to lift NPS and you want to get attention for that, then you better be able to tell them why it matters to the business. Because if you leave it at that level of, gee, we're going to be more committed than anyone else in our in our category to the customer, um, then you will eventually inevitably run into barriers. And so when we talk about how do you ensure that everyone understands it, it starts with using data to show that it matters, right? And once you show it matters, then then the whole world opens up, right? Then you get resources, then you start looking at those personas and cross-functional journeys, then you start beginning to engage your frontline employees and change their behaviors. Even, you know, some companies will put um, uh, recognition and even uh, compensation programs in place, and, you know, that opens up a whole other topic that we could take in a whole nother podcast on, but you know, right. you get the idea. Once you start putting money behind this, you better be able to demonstrate why it matters. And and many CX programs today are doing that in a way they didn't two years ago, but it's still not as common as we'd like to see. Yeah, that makes sense. And I would imagine also once you tie that to the bottom line, you're also going to get more uh, executives and stakeholders investing in it more as well. So it probably it has a, a a repeating effect, right? Well, that's one of the important aspects of this. So, so often leaders will take a little bit of a biased attitude about CX. And that biased attitude can be that we in this room, in the executive suite, are all customer centric. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, right? We wouldn't right. be sitting in this room. What we really need is for those. Uh, I don't want to say dumb because that's too too demeaning. <laughs> but you know what we really want is for our uh, our frontline employees who just don't understand this stuff, you know? And so what happens is there can be a sense that it's about training. We need to train our employees so that they have a greater sense of this. Um, sometimes, as we just said, maybe compensation programs. But what you don't often hear or often enough is that the decisions made by senior leaders, the policies they set, the investment decisions they make, the hiring decisions that get made, everything down to org structure, has a much greater impact on customer experience than an entire call center of disaffected call center reps could have. 
And so we'll often talk about how important it is to engage leaders. What does customer-centric decision-making mean at the top, not just on the front lines with people who are on the phone with customers? Um, and so what's really interesting is you begin to see a little bit of a not unilateral conversation. It's not we understand what CX is, frontline employee, and now we're going to tell you, and please change your behaviors, and now we're giving you the skills, right? But right. equally, what organizations will find is that most employees come to work wanting to do right by customers. And the thing that gets in the way is not primarily their lack of skills or knowledge. It's you, right? It is your policies. It's the systems they have to use. It's the expectations they need to, to hit. Don't go training call center reps that you want them to really express empathy and listen for needs and take more time. At the same time, all of their compensation is based on reducing call handle time. So this really is both bilateral. It's as much about talking to and empowering uh, people throughout the organization, but also listening to what we need to change in the organization to allow people to do those things. And, you know, technology certainly touched on that as far as measurement goes, and, and it certainly plays a role in addition to the human component. But let's let's dive in and talk a little more about technology's role. Um, where, where are the areas where companies are relying too much on technology versus versus uh, human touch uh, to solve their CX gaps? And, and how does an organization know when technology is a good fit or when it isn't? So I think that's a, obviously a very complicated question. I, and to, to my mind, as we talk to clients, it has less to do with where they might be over-investing or those sorts of things. I mean, technology helps. In fact, I mentioned the 2019 study that we did, and we found that organizations excuse me, organizations that exceeded customer perceptions, all right, those organizations were far more likely to be aggressive in their tech adoption than those who fell short of customer perceptions. In fact, the difference was tenfold. So there wow. is evidence that if you want to exceed customer expectations and get good at this, that really being aggressive about how you adopt technology, you get more comfortable with some risk is in fact important. Now, the, the, the thing you're really probing, which I find uh, really interesting and, and really smart, is that so often when, uh, particularly marketers, but you know everyone as well in an organization thinks about technology and CX, it invariably goes to the very the execution of it. Right? We need chatbots. You know, we need. Uh, you know, what's hot now? Oh, voice is really hot now. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with clients that heard that voice was hot launched an Alexa skill, and it has zero people using them, right? And it's because yeah. you developed a solution in search of a problem. If you started with the customer, if you were customer-centric, and you heard their problems and their unmet needs, and then you said, does voice or chatbots or AI or VR um, solve those problems, then you would develop, of course, a solution that solves a problem instead of one in search of one. So yeah. we'll talk a little bit about being customer first in your uh, digital innovation and transformation. We'll talk about being customer first um, in listening. And so one of the areas that we'll talk a lot about technology has less to do with personalization or cutting edge technology like voice. It'll be more about how are you using technology to understand how you're doing for customers, right? Some of the technologies I'm 
primarily focused on these days are things like text analytics and sentiment analytics and uh, digital analytics that find moments of struggle as opposed to just digital analytics that tell you how many clicks somebody made or what the most common paths are. Um, right. And so there's a lot of really interesting technology to really empower that listening that you do before you get ahead of yourself and start, you know, uh, shotgunning technology in any direction that sounds exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, you would, you would say then it's really the technology investment should likely start with, with listening and analytics and, and stuff like that. And then th that should eventually define the problem, right? Exactly right. And, you know, it's funny to me because uh, that sounds so obvious when you say it, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> right, <you> know, right. <laughs> why wouldn't, why, you know, why would we want to move forward without really good, as close to perfect information as we can get? But, you know, you go in and, and talk to your boss and say, hey, I want, uh, you know, a six-figure budget to deploy a voice of customer survey program. And it can sound like that's not as actionable uh, doesn't gain as much traction. It's not going to make as much difference as if I spend the same amount of money on a personalization engine. So I do think that we have to really reframe it. And once again, not to be a broken record, but it goes back to have you demonstrated that customer perception and satisfaction matter to the bottom line. If you have, then all this stuff becomes a much more worthwhile investment. Well, uh, yes. Finally, let's let's talk about the relationship between employee experience and, and customer experience. Um, how would you define that connection? Well, you know, there's been so much research on this, and and you know, it's easy to oversimplify it, right? The the easy way to say it is that it's very hard for dissatisfied employees to create satisfied customers. I mean, yeah. and. Practically speaking, that's true, right? Um, what I think, though, is that we have to get even a little further, and that is it's not just about employee satisfaction. Just like, you know, we may talk about customer satisfaction, but that's our entry point, right? That's We, we start there and then we move to other things, but it's the same with employees. Like, there's satisfaction, and then there's... Um, you know, commitment, there's understanding of the mission, there's feeling of empowerment. And so these are all the things that begin to have an impact on uh, on that relationship. So it starts with, at bare minimum, having satisfied customers. If people are unhappy, you're going to suffer problems. You're not going to do as well for customers. You're going to suffer, I mean, obvious stuff. You're going to suffer greater turnover, and then you're always going to be in training mode, and, and you lose talent and skills and institutional knowledge as people walk out. So you know, okay. it starts with employee satisfaction, but then you start to get to, do you really understand the mission? Do they feel like they are working towards something? Do they feel that they can impact those things? So it's yeah. very clear that there's a very strong relationship. Um, what is challenging in my role often is that the employee experience often rests with human resources while the customer experience will maybe rest with marketing or in a standalone department. Um, so at best, it is very rare for me to see these things come together in terms of a role or a team. So at best, what you have to do is, is develop an understanding of this and work across those uh, organizational lines to, and, and if you do so, you will become each other's best friends, right? You are, yeah. you're, you're yeah. by, by doing this, you are empowering both sides of this, but uh, too often it's, it's thought of as very different. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting that you, you mentioned that, that gap between EX and CX when, you know, as, as it sounds like we both agree that they're very much tied to one another. Are you seeing, it sounds like a lot of organizations are not really 
tying those things together so closely and, and they're a bit siloed, but are you seeing organizations trending towards thinking about more holistically? You know, I refer to that as brand experiences is customer experience plus employee experience because it really is, you know, every touch point and every everything that at people <laughs> Um, experience within a within a brand. Do you see that as a trend? I, I realize there's a lot of organizational silos to to hurdle over, but wh- where do you see that going? I see a lot of people talking about it. Uh, we are beginning to see more brands uh, or companies, I should say, measure it. Um, so I see companies that are in different regions or um, you know, have different product lines beginning to measure the employee experience or satisfaction and, and tying the movements in that to the movements they see in customer experience measurement. So I see yeah. companies really looking to understand it, but in terms of really bringing it together, I would say that that is still relatively rare. Um, I mentioned earlier that I worked at USAA. Uh, yeah. I'm sure your listeners know it well, probably. It's uh, you know, a very well-respected organization and frequently gets some of the highest net promoter scores of any company in the U.S., even yeah. though it's in financial services, which traditionally don't always earn. I know, that's, that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, you know, they're really effective at bringing employee experience and customer experience together. And, and actually, if you don't mind a quick story, like there, sure. I had a memorable experience when I was at USA, and it happened in my first week. And to me, it helps to tell the story. So uh, do you mind a quick story here? Oh, please, please, yeah. So one of the things that USAA does is that all employees at any level go through an employee orientation. And so far, that sounds unexciting. But a lot of firms send people someplace for an hour or two, and they might get a little bit of the brand deck, and they probably get some forms to fill out, those sorts of things. But USAA starts everybody's first four days is in a training program. Hmm. And this training program Part of it is, you know, how do I get around the office? The 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 uh, USA headquarters in San Antonio is almost a mile long from uh-huh. one end to another. So getting around is nothing to sneeze at. Um, but there's some of that. But what's really interesting is that what USA wants you to do, because, of course, they serve the military community, is to understand who you serve and why they deserve it. And I tell people this, and this is the God's honest truth. There wasn't a day in the training where I didn't have tears in my eye at some point. I mean, it was really emotional. Um, And, you know, they would do things like, you know, some things that seemed maybe a little silly and were, in fact, a little fun, like um, we all ate the MREs, meals, meal ready to eat one day. Not very tasty, right? (laughs) But we did this one exercise that really resonated with me, which is, and it's a persona exercise, which is why I I love it so much, is we come back from lunch one day. It's, I think, day three. We're all loose. We've gotten to know each other. We're having a good time. Everyone's chattering. And the door flies open. And, you know, somebody who was really in the military, not just somebody who's playing it, walks in and screams attention, right? Now, about a third of the room is former military, probably. And they, yeah. you know, they shoot up and the rest of us follow about two seconds later because right? <laughs> um, we know what to do. And yeah. we get an envelope and we are the person in this envelope. And in one week, we are going to be deployed. We're going to be deployed to a dangerous part of the world. Hmm. We may not return. And in the envelope, some of us are 22 years old and single. Some of us are 25 and newlyweds. Some of us are 40 and have a family. 
And there are different instances in there, right? And in the next week, you have to get your family ready, not just for the possibility you won't return, but for the fact you're going to be gone for some time. Um, right. If you have multiple cars, what are you doing? Are you storing one? What sort of insurance do you need or don't need if you do that? Does your spouses know about all the accounts you have? Do they have the important phone numbers and the account numbers, right? Do they have the passwords? Um, what is your life insurance situation like? Is this yeah. a good time to be thinking about that? And so you find yourself thinking about something that none of us ever do, you know? Yeah. What do I need to do to prepare my family for me not being here for a long period and that I might die? And that right. was something. And so I'll tell you, by the end of uh, this week of training, and, and again, I'm not exaggerating here, like by the end of four days, the attitude in that room was to get me the hell out of this room because <laughs> there are people that deserve my time and, and you wow. people are not it. And and it just, you know, that sense permeates USAA culture. So yeah. I know that was a little long on this uh, on this uh, podcast, but hopefully that's uh, a really compelling story that, that talks to what you are talking about, which is that combination of EX and CX. Yeah, no, that, that's really powerful. And I, yeah, I can only imagine how, uh, you know, being in that moment, uh, that's, that's truly building empathy with, uh, you know, with the customer as well as your, your fellow employees. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. The uh, one last uh, 60 second story on that, if you don't mind, because um, and I'll I'll warn you, I have a hard time talking about this without um, breaking up a little bit. I still tear up. It's been eight years. I still tear up. Um, Mm. It was a call recording of a commanding officer, I think a captain or something in um, in a war zone. And uh, she was calling because uh, she had been at risk of losing her home. And it wasn't that USAA held the mortgage another, another company had, but she didn't know where to turn it. So she turns to the USAA and the person she gets like moves mountains to help her. They you wow. know, get her into a refinance. She's, her home is going to be saved. It's a big deal. And she calls yeah. back then. And the recording is her uh, crying. She's, uh, she's lost people at her command. <laughs> I heard you say this is going to be tough. Yeah. You, know, you have to have heard this. She's lost people in her command, uh, people she loves. She has lost so much back home, she couldn't stand wow. to lose her house. Um, and and you know, when, when wow. you work at a financial services firm and you think, ah, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the mortgage business. Um, right. That's one thing. When you walk out of that room and you think, I'm in the business of making uh, the lives better of people who serve this nation, changes everything. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that is really powerful. It really, yeah, it gives it gives you a sense of of the stakes there, and yeah, that's that's really powerful. All right, now I'll get control of myself. <laughs> we'll go back to talking <laughs> about fun CX things. Yeah, I'll, I'll shift gears here a little bit here. <laughs> um, so one last question before we we do wrap up. Um, Talking about CX as as a practice, uh, you know all the all the attention that it's getting from you know everything from marketers calling it the new marketing to you know others in the in the industry hyping it. Uh, you know where do you think we go from here? Uh, is is this a a fad or a trend that you know a few people will be relegated to in you know five ten years from now, or is something changing in our culture, whether it's business culture or employee culture? or all of the above that, that, you know, something is going to change and and change meaningfully. 
This is a great question, Greg. I really appreciate it because one of the challenges that I see is that if companies define this wrong, they will be disappointed and they will give up on it, right? If you define it right, and do some of the practices we even talked about on this on this call, uh, they'll begin to demonstrate that it matters and they'll tend to get it right. Now, even the fact that some marketers call it the new marketing drives me a little crazy. Uh, I, I get to public speak, I talk to CMOs a fair amount, and I have this line that I use on stage, which is that we don't need a new term for the discipline of experiences for customers and prospects that create awareness and consideration and inbound traffic and purchase and acquisition. We have a mm -hmm. word for that. It's marketing. Right. Right. <laughs> we don't right. we don't need giving marketing a new label doesn't change marketing. Right. Yeah. The only thing that changes marketing is if we change how we measure it and what we wish to do. And so I will position CX not as marketing, but as a complement to marketing. And I'll talk to CMOs about why they should want to think about it that way and how it benefits them, the department and their brand by thinking of it that way. But again, if we go back to the traditionally marketers have focused on measures of acquisition, right? Cost to acquire, uh, conversion rates, those sorts of things. And not all marketers have, but you know these have tended to be the primary sorts of factors. But then we bring in satisfaction, loyalty, and advocacy, what we do is we shift from only a, a focus on outbound communications to what we do as well, and only from a focus on the path to purchase, but also what happens after purchase. And ultimately, if you can acquire customers efficiently and you keep them and turn them into centers of growth and influence, that's how you deliver the greatest growth. And so I see CX as a complement to marketing and not the new marketing. So to answer your question, if companies do this right, if they define it right, they measure it right, they get the data in place, they're empowering people with real information, their employees with real customer data, um, this won't go away. This will become essential. Um, but if you, you know, uh, usurp the language of CX to apply it to marketing, uh, then you know you shouldn't be surprised if, in fact, right. you, you you know don't get don't get any traction. It doesn't change anything, and pretty soon that term sort of goes away from the uh, the culture and the vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, no, to totally agree with that. Uh, well, Augie, thanks so much for joining the show, and and I thanks so much for sharing those stories. I really appreciate you doing that. Um, for those listening to the show, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Well, um, what I'd say is that I've got a blog on Gartner.com. You can just search for my name and my blog. That would be great. I am very vocal on LinkedIn professionally, so I'm very happy to connect with people there. Uh, I also would say I'm extraordinarily vocal on Twitter, but I'll warn you, I'm also quite political there. So if you want to uh, engage on politics and COVID-19 stuff uh, as well as CX, then by all means, join me on Twitter. And if you'd rather stick to the professional side, then find me on LinkedIn. Sounds great. Well, thanks for joining. Again, I'd like to thank uh, Augie Ray, VP of Customer Experience at Gartner, for joining the show. Uh, to learn more about both customer and employee experience, I recommend you go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and make sure to check out my latest book, The Center of Experience. More information is available on my website or wherever the book is available, like Amazon. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. 
You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, from my website at theagile.world or on Amazon or other retailers. Until next week, stay agile.